welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. I'm Jennifer Waits. And I'm Paul Reismadel. Hello, everybody. I'm Eric Klein. I love radio and I love sound. And today, um, I love folk music. Today we have a special Thanksgiving week edition of Radio Survivor. And in honor of that, we're going to talk about Alice's Restaurant, a song that first graced the radio airwaves more than 50 years ago has become an unexpected Thanksgiving tradition for listeners across the United States. Arlo Guthrie's 18-minute story song, Alice's Restaurant Massacre, tells a meandering tale of how a littering incident on Thanksgiving in 1965 helped the protagonist dodge the Vietnam War draft. First performed live over radio station WBAI in New York, Radio Play helped popularize the song, leading to its release as a vinyl record in 1967, with a follow-up movie after that. Surprisingly, the super lengthy song eventually became a Thanksgiving Day staple on rock radio stations, and subsequently a Thanksgiving Day tradition for listeners. On Radio Survivor for the past decade, I've been compiling lists of dozens of stations that play the song, and it's typically our most popular post of the year. On today's episode, we're excited to have a special guest, the Alice of Alice's Restaurant, Alice Brock. Thanks so much for joining us, Alice. My pleasure. My pleasure. And a wonderful Thanksgiving to all of you. Thank you. So, so Alice, I got introduced to you because I was told that you were recording a special introduction to Alice's Restaurant, which is played by radio stations every year on Thanksgiving and I was told that you wanted to record a message this year. So I was curious, what prompted you to want to record a special message this Thanksgiving? Well, this Thanksgiving is a little different than most Thanksgivings. You know, it's either Zoom or not Zoom. <laughs> I say my the gravy boats have sunk. No Thanksgiving. And uh, that's why I wanted to come on and, and assure people that I'm still giving thanks. We got a lot to be thankful for. So what sort of message, when you recorded it, that's what you had in mind was to, to share this this message that you are still thankful. Um, can you talk a bit more about that message that you wanted to impart? Well, uh, you know, we're really very lucky to be in this country, despite <clears throat> blank, blank, blank. Uh, we're fortunate we're fortunate we have more than any other country has. Some of it is good, some of it is not good, but we got it. And I, I am thankful for that. Alice, can you tell us about what your Thanksgiving would have been like uh, in 2019 or in previous years? Um, how, did you, how do you celebrate the holiday? Well, I used to have a gigantic Thanksgiving feast uh, with all my friends when I lived in the Berkshires, but now that I live out on the tip of Cape Cod in Provincetown, uh, that's not so easy. But the last two Thanksgivings, about eight of the original people from the original first Thanksgiving that we ever had together come up here to Provincetown, which is a good ride for anybody, and we celebrated a small Thanksgiving but we just had a wonderful, wonderful time. We cried, we laughed, we ate forever, and we had it catered. Ha, ha, ha. I didn't have to cook at all. <laughs> so you didn't have to cook. 
Yeah. And what and what do you have planned for this Thanksgiving? <laughs> chicken fricassee. Sounds What's fantastic. What's special about your chicken fricassee? Oh, is there's a nothing special. special but <laughs> <laughs> you know, a turkey is a little too big for me to handle. Let's go. Can we go back to the to the, to all your friends getting together? What was the significance mm-hmm. of of those eight people? You said they were from you. You said they were from your first Thanksgiving. What does that mean? It was for the first Thanksgiving that we all had together in the church. Yeah, and who, it wasn't who are the first... these? Who, <clears throat> okay, who are these go. group of uh, individuals? Who are these friends, Alice or family? Well, do you want me to name them? Is Hello? there anyone we would know? I don't think it's anybody you'd know, except maybe Rick Robbins, who was the actual guy with Arlo who dumped the garbage. He didn't play himself in the movie, but he's a real thing, like I am. And <laughs> and we have we just have so many reminiscences. It's more than 50 years, uh, and we've been friends all that time. And we know each other inside or out, which is not always great, but... Uh, <laughs> But we're we're wonderful friends, and the small Thanksgiving, because I can't make a big Thanksgiving. I'm on oxygen and all that stuff. Too many cigarettes. This is what happens. So it's just a small Thanksgiving. We get it catered by a big restaurant, and we don't have to do anything except drink and eat. Eat and drink and laugh and cry. What's the key to keeping those friendships alive all this time? You know, in the 60s, everybody was welcome. There was no such thing as, no, he can't come. Don't let this one in. Everybody was welcome. Even if we didn't like him, they were welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I lost my train of thought. Well, we're talking about how you keep these friendships alive all this oh. time. Well, you know, we were friends during a really exciting time, the 60s. And, and we all lived together in the church. And we, we just formed a family. And most of my family still lives in the Berkshires. Uh, my, my tribal family, I call it. Mm-hmm. it. It must be interesting for you that this, this part of your history is part of the song that gets played every year on Thanksgiving. And and I'm curious if it's got to be a blessing and a curse, right? Um, yes. <laughs> yes, so. it is a blessing. It is a blessing and a curse. But uh, I'm over the curse now. When I first <laughs> moved to, <laughs> when I first moved to Provincetown, I opened up a little gallery where I showed my art. I had never shown it before. And I never made use of being Alice of Alice's Restaurant. So people came into my little gallery and they saw my pictures. And then they looked around and they saw the cookbook. And they saw some articles. And they saw a picture of Arlo. And they just went crazy. People said, I can't believe it. You've made my day. (laughs) So how can I be resentful of that? How can I say, I don't want to hear about the movie? All you have to do is say my name and people start to smile. That's a gift. Yeah, it, it's interesting because the 
this this 18 minute song that now is played every Thanksgiving, you know, it's called Alice's Restaurant. It starts talking about Alice, but you know, the song isn't really about Alice. Um, why do you think? Why do you think this piece is so compelling? Why do you think people listen to it every year on Thanksgiving? Well, originally it was a protest against the uh, draft and the Vietnamese War, which half of you won't even remember. <clears throat> but it was awful. Uh, oh, lost my train of thought. Why do you think people have found that song to be so compelling, and why do they listen every year? Well, it's a really wonderful song. And by the way, not all big stations play it because it's too long. But you can always depend on the independent stations to play something special. And it's it, it's just a very funny song, the way Arlo put it together. And uh, and it's a Thanksgiving song. What's the other Thanksgiving song? Over the River and Through the Woods? No, this is it. Right. Yeah. It, it's true. When I So I guess it was about a decade ago I I wrote an article for Radio Survivor about interesting things happening on the radio on Thanksgiving and and the playing of Alice's Restaurant is really one of the few traditions and and you're right one of the few Thanksgiving songs that gets played um radio stations might have cooking shows and call-in shows about you know help preparing your turkey um but Alice's Restaurant it's really it's something that people look forward to every year it's one of our most popular posts on Radio Survivor because people want to find out where to tune into it. And it's it's kind of fascinating to me that that it has that sort of power. And like you mentioned, it's unusual for radio stations to play a song of that length, 18 minutes long. Oh, yeah. Some of the big stations just can't, can't play it. They just can't bring themselves to break the mold. But... Uh... Independent radios are great. So do you, on Thanksgiving, do you listen to Alice's Restaurant on the radio? <laughs> no. No, I don't. And we don't even sing it. But, you know, we all, <laughs> we had a part in writing it. The table that I have Thanksgiving on is the same table I have right here, a big round oak table. And when Arlo started to write the song, he came to the church and he was, uh, he said, oh, listen to this. I'm starting to write this song about what happened and, you know, what happened. Because he did dump garbage and he did get in trouble and he was put in jail and I did bail him out. And the judge was blind. I mean, it's actually all pretty much all true. Uh, well, there you go. Alice, can you... Can you tell us again? I know that they are not famous, and that's I'm not asking you to, to, to give us a list of the famous people. I'm asking you to tell us about um, who your friends were that you had Thanksgiving with, uh, you know, like not, not their names and their, their biographies, but like more like um, what did, how, did, how did this group of people come together? Who was this family that you had around your Thanksgiving table back in the days where this song was, uh, was being written, was brand new? Well, um, actually, my husband at the time, Ray, and I lived in New York, so we knew a lot of people in New York. Then we came to the Berkshires, and we worked at a school, uh, like a private high school. 
uh, for dropouts. <laughs> and uh, I met a lot of kids there because I was only just a few years older than them. And uh, we really bonded. We were the uh, hippies at that school. We were the first. They had never seen anybody wearing engineer boots and black turtlenecks. Oh, yeah, the, the director didn't want us to do that. And so those kids became friends. And when we bought the church, most of those kids went to college for two weeks. Then they all hit the road, and a lot of them ended up at the church. So that started it. And, of course, then they have wives. Now they have children, and they had friends, and it just built. So family is really by choice in as much as it is also by, uh, by birth, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. By birth, I don't have much going. But by choice, I have my tribe. I call them my tribe. And uh, we're connected whether we like it or not, just because of the number of years that we've known each other and, and the number of Thanksgivings that we've had together. So what are your plans this year? Do you have, do you have a plan? Will you, are you able to see each other either virtually or, or in person? Well, <clears throat> I'm not a Zoomer. <laughs> so I'm not going to see anybody Zooming me, or I'm not going to Zoom anybody. I'll be here. I don't know if any friend is going to come by, but uh, I'll have my chicken fricassee and and reminisce. Boy, I have plenty to think about. Lots of memories. Can you, will anyone call you? Do you think maybe you'll be able to have some phone calls? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll call me and they'll email me. And Alice, I know you will not be listening to Alice's Restaurant on the radio, but do you listen to the radio on Thanksgiving to other things besides songs about you. <laughs> you know, this is sounds strange, but when all this Trump started, I just threw out my television. And I have a radio, but I and I have it plugged in, but I haven't turned it on yet. I have it tuned into our local radio station, but I haven't turned it on. I kind of like the silence. <laughs> this is very fascinating that the woman who inspired the song that is such a radio tradition has not turned on her radio. I, I think that's yes. I think that's hilarious, Alice. <laughs> Alice, uh, our our show Radio Survivor, we we often celebrate um, these independent radio stations all around the country. And one of the things that we love to do is ask our guests just to tell us about um, about their radio experiences. Jennifer has a question that she often asks. Um, everybody that we have on, like about what is one of their earliest memories of the radio. I wonder if if you could just tell us about um, about radio stations you've enjoyed in the past. Oh my gosh, I've listened to radio since I was a child. There were no televisions. I'm 80 years old. We had radio. I had a radio right next to my bed. I used to put it under the covers with me. I listened to Wolfman Jack and. Uh, of rock and roll. I, I've listened to classical music. I listened to anything I wanted. And uh, sometimes I yeah, fell asleep we, with the radio. We, we've we been talking about Wolfman Jack on a few episodes of Radio Survivor. And <laughs> um, I, did you, were you aware that he was broadcasting f- uh, from across the country when you were listening to him? No, 
I didn't have any. When I started listening to him, I don't think I had much of a sense of across the country. I was an East Coast girl, and I kind of still am. Yeah, because that's one of the things that I find fascinating about him is that uh, when he started off, that he was he was broadcasting from across the Mexican border to the entire continent of North America. I think is very funny, um, <laughs> bringing bringing rock rock music to the to the kids. Oh, he was great. He was really great. I had no idea he was across the border, but I guess they were trying to get rid of him. <laughs> right, and he might have been. He might have been in. Uh, he might have crossed back, right, at that point, guys? Like, he wasn't always in Mexico during his full well, career. Well, yeah, the studios were in were in San Diego or Los Angeles, and the transmitters were in Mexico uh, when it came to Wolfman okay. Jack in particular. And, yeah, he was definitely becoming a, a nationwide phenomenon, by you know, a media personality by the 60s, most certainly, uh, you know, and, and into the 70s. And, and, Alice, I wonder if you have any, any memories of, you know, of radio – you know, at that turbulent time, you know, when you were when you were bringing folks together at the church and and having Thanksgivings together, um, you know, certainly, you know, much of the radio uh, would have been uh, would not would have would have not have broadcast anything about, you know, the the protests over Vietnam, you know, aside from in news reports. But, uh, you know, was there. Was there any radio that you that you remember or tuned turned to at the time? Well, we had a local radio station up in the Berkshires, uh, but we actually didn't listen to the radio. Everybody sang, and and uh, we would just sit around this oak table, which I'm sitting at now, and we would just sing songs. Arla would write songs, and we'd find old records and uh, old Woody Guthrie songs and. And we just we didn't have we didn't use a radio. Certainly didn't have a television. I missed out on all of that Saturday Night Live and all that stuff. Never heard of it. <laughs> it's I mean it's interesting to hear about this time that you had without so much media bombardment. That you know I think a lot of us today are bombarded by television and radio and the internet. So. It sounds like, you know, with your radio turned off and your TV thrown out the window, um, <laughs> that you're still a proponent of that. Oh, well, radio is wonderful. I grew up with radio. I was a, a secret listener every night, not just to Wolfman Jack, but I would listen to The Shadow, and I would listen to uh, the where you march around the breakfast table, I forget, all kinds of things. Archery. Oh, can't think of the name. Anyway, I grew up with it, and uh, but what's happening now with the, our ways of communicating are very, very artificial. I don't like phone calls, but email is better because I can I can answer it when I want to, and not when they want to. But basically, I like face to face. And we had too much going on in our lives to listen to the radio. We were just singing. Yeah, I have to ask Allison. Forgive me if this is yeah. silly or or uh, has been asked before. How did what did Arlo think about these Woody Guthrie records that you just referenced? Uh, how did he okay. feel about these songs that his father wrote? Well, oh, 
he loved them, and he was surprised that we had them. But my parents were old, old uh, liberals, <clears throat> and uh, they had a lot of folk music. But we had a lot of songs, a lot of records by people that you would have never heard of, and I can't think of. But they sang all kinds of great folk songs. And, oh, I had a wonderful collection of Lead Belly records. And uh, the Weavers, we had a lot of Weaver records that they actually came later. We had some early jazz and early blues and early folk music. I inherited a, a collection of records from a friend who was moving and just, they were too heavy. So we had a great collection of music, which we listened to occasionally to, to learn the words to the song, and then, and then we sang the song ourselves. Yeah, it sounds like you've had a really art-filled life, and, and I know you're an artist, too. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been working on lately? Well, unfortunately, lately, I haven't been all that well, and I have some tremors in my hands, which means that I can't... Well, I can't read my handwriting anymore, but I can't paint in the style that I was painting in uh, because it's too exact. So uh, I just stopped. Very depressing. But, but now I doodle, and uh, so with doodles, it's all right if the pen goes flying off the page. That's nice to hear that you are thinking of ways, you know, to maintain the creativity of your visual art, even if you're having physical challenges. Um, I'm curious about, about the style that you were working in before that now you have, have trouble doing. Well, it's kind of uh, like illustrations. I don't consider myself a fine artist. I don't have a mission statement or anything like that. I, uh, everything I draw is from out of my imagination. I don't draw from life. But I, I draw from the life in my head, which is pretty busy. Can you give us a sense for, for like, what, what, what does that mean? It, can, can you paint us kind of a, a mental picture? Uh, well, I have a lot of uh, paintings of food. And I have paintings of a plate of spaghetti with some forks around it. I have numerous paintings of carrots. Everybody loves them. And I have paintings <laughs> of eggplants. I have eggplants. eggplants. Why eggplants? Oh, because they're a beautiful shape and color. Mm-hmm. It's more the shapes and the colors. I'll, I'll actually paint anything that comes to me because for me, the painting is more, uh, it's more about the shapes and how they relate to each other. That sounds weird, but uh, I can make anything have an emotion. Mm-hmm. Alice, I'm, I want to go back to the idea of uh, singing around this oak table that you were telling us about. And I, uh, I can imagine, um, you know, I've, uh, I've been around music and musicians and folk songs and making up uh, lyrics uh, together with your friends. There must have been a version of Arlo's song that was like, uh, sillier and much more personal, like much like more inside jokes. I'm imagining. Oh yeah, plenty of inside jokes. But you know, Arlo knew what he was doing. He wasn't going. He was going to do a worldwide kind of approach, not just our little clique. Right. 
But what about around your oak table? Was there a different version for, for your friends? Oh, yes, there certainly were different versions. Um, some of them actually dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, you know, Arlo listened, we all laughed, but in the end, he knew what he wanted to do. Yeah. So he's um, there to entertain his friends and as well then moved on to entertain uh, millions upon millions upon millions. But but this oak table, the the group of people who sat around the oak table were the original, you know, test audience before yes. he before he brought it out to 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 a, to a wider group of people. So like, yes. I'm wondering well, he, what's. Oh, go ahead. I don't think Arlo ever thought it was going. I mean, he he never thought it was going to go the way it went. It was just his answer to the Vietnamese War, and uh, right. his experience pretty much at the draft. Not quite, but pretty close. Yeah. Well, what what else was the song about before it, you know, before it was brought out to the bigger, broader world and became the hit folk song that we all know? Like, what was a different, uh, what was a different thing he would sing about before? You mean in, within that song? When it was when it was uh, when it was just the song that that was sung. Uh, together for your small group of friends. Well, I can't remember really the uh, the different versions that Arlo had and we had. Right. But uh, in the in the end, he didn't take our our <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> but he was very it, gracious about it. He was very it gracious. Was, it's interesting that. You know, the song was first performed, I guess, publicly over the radio. So it, it's always had that radio aspect to it, which is kind of an, a nice synchronicity with the fact that now it's a radio tradition. Do you do you remember that when he was first performing that over the radio in New York? Oh, um, yeah, it was a public radio station. And uh, it was the only one that would play an 18-minute song. You know, that's just not done. The song has to be two and a half minutes, and then comes a commercial, then two more songs. You know, it's it's very different out there in the commercial world. Yeah, so that was quite amazing that WBAI played it, and, and apparently the show host just loved it and would play it over and over and over again, which is amazing even for a public radio station to play an 18-minute song over and over again. Well, it's a tradition. Traditions come first. You know, it's uh, it's wonderful because a lot of people, they hear the song and they remember uh, the 60s. But now people say to me, oh, my mother knows who you are. She plays that song every Thanksgiving. In fact, now people say, my grandmother makes me listen to that song every Thanksgiving. So it has a long life, whether they like it or not, those kids. Can I tell you how I play it on the radio on my radio show? Okay. <laughs> um, so I have a college radio show on a more of an underground music focused station. And I've been writing about the stations that play it every year. So at my station, it's kind of an atypical song for the station because the music they play is much harsher. So I play it backwards and slowed down every year. Backwards and slowed down. 
Yeah. Well, I can't quite imagine that, but uh, obviously you have quite an imagination. That's really funny, Jennifer. Yeah, I was was wondering what your reaction might be. Have you ever heard it backwards? No. Why would I? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we want to know if, if Arlo put any secret messages in there. Oh, I am the walrus and stuff like that. (laughs) No, he didn't have any secret messages. Arlo was right out front. He doesn't have secret messages. Well, I'm I'm disappointed that you don't have a turntable that plays backwards. I I, I have not heard anything um, spooky, but since the majority of the song is talking, it does have a sort of an odd effect when you hear it backwards. Like, oh yeah, I guess so. You're strange. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Well, this is the kind of thing we celebrate here is a bit of the strange and the odd in a world of radio. In addition to in addition to tradition and and much in in, as history as well as as the very lively present. Well, good. We need more of you. Uh, Thank you, Alice. I hope you don't mind. I just want to press one more time about these um, the the versions of. Arlo's song that existed, you know, before he figured out what it was going to be for for the big crowds, you know, for the crowd of uh, in people who are enjoying the song for the for the recording that we're talking about today, when it was the song that was being sung around your oak table, and uh, you said that there were were dirty parts. Was it just that he used <laughs> saltier language? Was it was it just that he threw in a few swear words? No, we threw in a few swear words. It was, uh, we didn't realize that it was an anti-war song. We just thought it was a song. And so we put in a lot of, uh, a a lot of nasty things about Obi, Officer Obenheim. (laughs) And, uh, Why Obi? Why did you pick on Obi? Well, because he's the one who arrested Arlo. Okay, right, 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 right. Of course. That's right. I uh <laughs> yeah, so he he gets the the brunt of the of the ire. Yeah. And it you know well, that it's really happened. Different. That really happened. They really did dump the garbage illegally. And uh and <laughs> Officer Obenheim was told about it, so he had to go out on Thanksgiving Day and go through a pile of garbage, and he found, as Arlo says, I put that letter under that pile of garbage. There was something addressed to us at the church, so that's how they found us. Hmm. It sounds like, you know, you're talking and sharing stories about an incident with your friends, so a lot of the pre-writing of the song was probably storytelling, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, and we, we just were yelling out things about the police you know, the police were not our friends at, in the 60s, and uh, some of them are still not our friends. But it's a tough job. I'm sorry. So when you guys were, were singing the song together, um, uh, more more people than just Arlo's voices were a part of the storytelling. Oh, yeah. Well, there was never just Did Arlo. You have a verse? There, were always, there was always a crowd of people sitting around the table. Did you contribute any verses? Oh, sure, but I can't remember them. And I have a terrible singing voice, just awful. But fortunately, <laughs> during the 60s, everything was allowed. Everything was uh, 
open to people. They could do what they want, and nobody judged them. Even if they want to play the record backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. I know. It sounds I, like I'm strange even for that time. I got to tell Orlo that next time I <laughs> email him. I would be honored. <laughs> um, Alice, I don't know if to, you can... Ex- he oh, might try to sing it. He might try to sing it backwards for your station next year. Ooh. <laughs> that would he be a feat. Re- he just retired. Uh, his health isn't so great either. And we're getting old. We're old codgers. Old hippies. Well, yeah, I mean, it's this is the 55th anniversary of the littering incident. Yeah. This year. So, so my tribe... My family, we knew each other before that. Before that, because once he wrote the song and they started to make the movie, then our lives were horribly disrupted. And uh, mm. we got sucked into something that we all regret now, because we were so manipulated. But at the time, it was different. Oh, have you had a chance to tell that story? I'm not I'm not familiar with the the aftermath of this film. What... What what can you share with us? Well, the film was very close to the truth, but it wasn't the truth. And it tried to follow the song, but the song wasn't totally the truth either. Uh, so everything was kind of skewed from the beginning. And uh, lost my train of thought. Well, uh, you, you're you're describing the. You you said that the after that the movie uh, had a negative impact on your life. It oh, wasn't yeah. fun anymore. Well, the thing about the movie was we didn't realize it at the time, and maybe the producer didn't realize it at the time either. But it was going to be a big hit, and uh, we we weren't aware of that. I lost my train of thought again. What's going on? That's okay. Oh, you, yeah, you the impact of again. the movie. Yeah, you had oh, referenced yes. oh, that yes. um, that it wasn't that it was yeah. not a good experience for you and your friends. Yeah. So I was wondering if there was um, we, more to be told, right? To yeah. share, I think it's uh, to me. You know, I was I I'm I was not around in the 1960s, but I'm old enough to um, have been exposed to people talking about it my entire life as a as one of the. Um, you know, daily features of my life is uh, mm-hmm. thinking about the 60s. And also, you know, uh, because I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, um, 1960s culture was pretty much dominant. I think I spent more time with 1960s music than I did with 1980s music when I was a kid. And um, it sort of rings true to me. Like there's something to the idea that when they when the story stopped being your 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 group of friends story and became popular and became you know turned into uh, a piece of fiction that then became even more popular that it, that it was overall uh not great for you guys the people that lived the story in the first place well the song was fine we loved the song but the movie is big business you know we're talking millions of bucks of which we never saw and uh, they just we didn't we didn't know about that stuff. We were busy being hippies and uh we didn't think about money. Nobody had it. We didn't need it. We somehow got by 
And then all of a sudden, these people descend on us, and they, you know, they really buttered us up, because I don't think we would have done it had we been aware of what was going to happen. Uh, I haven't seen the movie. Should I watch it? Should I see the... I, I'm, you know, I've listened to the oh, song often, no. but I've, I didn't... I, I had not yet availed myself of the opportunity to see this film. Okay. Should, should we skip it, Alice? When, the, when, when they were shooting the movie, they used all of my friends and me as extras. But because we were wild hippies, they didn't trust us. This is crazy, but they didn't trust us to show up on the set each day. Yeah. So they put everybody up in a motel and... In front of the motel every morning, there was a bus that we got on because they had to make sure that we were going to show up. It was just so insulting. But at the time, we didn't even realize it. However, yeah. after the movie came out, we never talked about it. My friends mm -hmm. and I, until about three years ago, we never talked about what the movie meant to us and what we thought of it. And uh, when we finally did start to talk about it, I remember one person said, well, I haven't talked about it because it made me feel dirty. Made mm. me feel dirty. And, you know, by the time the movie came out, I think we realized that, that we had been really manipulated into a money-making deal that we were never going to see. And it, it kind of bastardized our experience. And um, until recently, we never talked about it. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing that with us. I won't pry any more into that. Uh, I, I don't, I personally don't care about the film. Uh, I actually forgot that it existed, but the, uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy, Alice, that you took the time to share with us um, your memories about the group of people that sat around the oak table, uh, who were friends and who sang songs together, and you know, Alice's restaurant, the song that Arlo Guthrie wrote. Uh, with you guys, with you and your friends, was just one of those songs that was sung around that table. And um, that's a very happy image for me to take into this holiday season. And uh, thank you for sharing it with us today. Well, you're welcome. And I hope whatever kind of Thanksgiving or non-Thanksgiving you're having, I hope it's wonderful in its own way. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alice. It's, it's a real pleasure talking with you, a real privilege. Well, it's privilege to talk to you all across this country it's amazing technology <laughs> absolutely Any, anything last jennifer no i think i think that's a really nice place to end so um, okay i love hearing your stories and um really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and also hope that you have a wonderful thanksgiving in its pandemic style Oops, did I just cut you off? Nope, still nope. here. We're still oh, here. Okay, I pushed a button on my phone that I shouldn't have. Jennifer you know, was just I have saying an old that flip uh, phone. <laughs> a flip phone. Jennifer was just saying that she hopes uh, you have a very nice Thanksgiving yes. uh, oh, this that's year, great. and I, I will add that uh, <laughs> hopefully next year is a more um, a more uh, crowded uh, table yeah. for you. And next year, if, well. if we're going to have next year, if we're going to have a Thanksgiving, uh, I may give out my recipe for stuffing. Oh. I may. 
We will. <laughs> we'll okay, keep yeah. everyone with. Uh, You're leaving us on a cliffhanger. It's in suspense. That's a wonderful way to, 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 to end it there. <laughs> oh, did you get that on tape or did you turn it off? I, I got it on tape. Oh, good. <laughs> if that's okay with you, yeah. Yes. Oh, sure. It's, it's always good to keep the tape going until the end. I thought this was the end. Well, Alice, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was fun talking to you. All right. And thank you so really much, nice Alice. Nice to meet you. It was an honor. Okay. Bye-bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Jennifer, thank you so much for booking that interview with Alice Brock. Uh, what an honor to have Alice Brock on our radio show uh, to tell us a firsthand account of where this amazing song came from and how she feels about about it. Uh, mixed mixed emotions, clearly, uh, it being such a huge hit and it being such a huge part of you know the American culture, especially around Thanksgiving time. Uh, and I'm so uh, pleased and thankful that Alice uh, shared a little bit of her time and her voice with us and her memories. It was very special uh, here at Radio Survivor, and I'm, I'm very thankful that we had this chance uh, to talk to her about, about the song. It's, it's so funny. I, I, I think of, like, one of the things that made me think about, well, one of the silliest things that made me think about is how, how an 18-minute song really fits in to indie radio culture over the holidays, because it sort of helps, you know, what a wonderful way to fill fill that space where maybe a lot of people aren't in the station. So, it's, you know, uh, it's a way to gather uh, more. It's also, it's a really wonderful recording, right? Because it's, it's a room full of people singing together, uh, recorded live in a way that um, uh, bringing all these voices to the table, right? Just how Alice... Uh, reminded us that the song was written around a table. It's it's the image I want to take with me as we as we go into the holiday season. And Jennifer, can you kind of uh, tell us how how did this interview come about? Because um, you know we didn't just suddenly have a brainstorm to reach out to, to Alice Brock. It kind of kind of happened in, in a little. We kind of backed into it, didn't we? Yeah. So we got an email. Like I mentioned, I've been compiling these lists of radio stations that play Alice's Restaurant every year on the radio. And because of that list, we were contacted by Alice's friend uh, who bartended for Alice when she was in college. And she reached out to us um, because she said Alice wanted to record a message for radio stations this year. And she was looking for advice on how to contact all the radio stations that air the broadcast. And... And so I got back in touch with her friend and said, well, it's actually this big investigative project every year to figure out which stations air Alice's restaurant. It's not like it's not like a concerted effort to air this song. Um, It's very much grassroots, you know, a variety of stations played all over the country. So there's no there's no magic way to get in touch with all of these radio stations. So. We had some back and forth conversations about ways that they could help, ways that they could get this special introductory message that Alice wanted to record out to radio stations. And then Paul, Paul suggested, I wonder if we could actually interview Alice, um, which, I mean, it, it didn't even occur to me. It seems so far-fetched, but um, 
she was Alice was completely game for it. So that's how it came about. Well, I mean, yeah, norm- normally on Radio Survivor, we have guests on who are academics who've written books or long, long. Uh, what is the, what is that word that academics spend their lives writing? Uh, you know, they write about radio. They Tomes. think about yeah, they write about radio and think about radio um, every day of their lives. It's sort of a Radio Survivor first to have on uh, someone who has you know this this unique. Uh, firsthand historical knowledge of this one song that that is such a huge part of our lives. Yeah, I mean, Alice's Restaurant is is very unusual in being a song that is traditionally played on the radio on a certain day that has, you know, we have people asking, when are you going to publish your list of, of where this is going to <laughs> yes, air? Yes, I've and, seen the emails coming in that demanding that list there, Jennifer. I know, and... And, you know, in 2020, you can listen to Alice's Restaurant, as I've written before, anytime you like um, on the Internet. You don't need to listen on a radio station. But people really seem to enjoy this idea of simultaneously listening to this song on Thanksgiving with other people. So it's it's a unique radio experience. Um, and and it's got to be strange for, for Alice Brock to be immortalized in song this way, like we talked mm-hmm. about. Um, and and the song's not even necessarily about her, but it's the name of the song. It's the name of the record. It's the name of the movie. The, the whole story starts with Alice. Um, but it's, but it's really a completely different story about anti-war. Well, Jennifer, tell us, you know, you've had the opportunity, the unique opportunity to listen to this, a currently embargoed introduction to Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie that that Alice Brock has recorded uh, that people will be able to hear debuted uh, when it airs on on radio stations. Uh, we 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 can't share it. We I haven't not I haven't heard it yet. But but what is what is the what is Alice's message that she chose to share on this uh, on this particular Thanksgiving? Yeah, Alice talked about it a little bit in our interview. Um, you know, it's a it's a positive message, you know, a positive greeting to people on Thanksgiving. And I, I think she says something along the lines of, I'm still kicking, you know, I, I think, um, you know, a message that can make people sort of feel connected to her and, and, and feel that, you know, she's still around and that this year's Thanksgiving is different from Thanksgiving's in the past, but um, it's it's a message of hope and optimism. It's such it's such a wonderful thing for um, someone who dare I, dare I say uh, for a hippie to do on Thanksgiving in 2020, where she's not she doesn't have a book to sell. She doesn't she's not she's not asking us to come subscribe to her YouTube channel. She's just sending us a message <laughs> for for love to share with with the community of listeners. Well, I mean, this is. Such a great exemplar, I think, of the type of radio that we that we celebrate and love here at Radio Survivor. You know, part of and it's illustrated in the difficulty that Alice and her friend have in getting the message out to the stations that will play because it's not as if this was ever networked. It's not as if this is a, a syndicated broadcast, right? It is it is individual DJs and program directors around the country who've chosen to do this, um, possibly every year, possibly as a tradition, maybe opting in one year 
and not in other, uh, depending on how the winds of management blow, I suppose. You know, and, and I'm I know it's played on commercial rock stations that, that are probably, you know, have affiliations or ownership of some of the largest companies uh in in the United States as well as as countless uh community radio stations, college radio stations, or uh smaller, you know, uh, stations owned by smaller groups with more more local ownership and and you know if this were part of a syndicated broadcast it would be very easy to send it out but the very fact is that nobody ever sat down and said hey wouldn't it be great if everybody would play this on thanksgiving it just happened right and it's just happened of course over the course of uh, of, of of some 50 years uh you know uh, 53 years at least since since the record was released it's very organic you know we know about other simultaneous broadcasts that happen as part of um, maybe a protest action where, you know, like with Breonna Taylor um, tribute where, you know, one station decides, oh, you know, we'd like to do this special broadcast and offer it to other stations. So we've seen efforts like that. Um, But you're right. Alice's Restaurant is something else entirely. It's not like one station trying to galvanize people to play it. Um, I also want to add that there are some stations that play it up to four times on Thanksgiving. So. Right, because you might miss it. Right. <laughs> and, and and it's interesting. It's We should point out, if it's not already obvious, it's not as if it's played at the same hour and time. Um, so... It, it, so there is this it, the simultaneity of it is the day and then it's it's in the communities where it's played right and and you, you sort of alluded to this to this point Jennifer that that there seems to be something about the tradition of it hearing it on Thanksgiving and hearing it somehow connecting everybody who's listening to that radio signal so so at the very least everybody within a a town a city or a metropolitan area that some segment of people are are hearing it together connects everyone and and it perhaps has uh, will have additional resonance for folks who who in, are being advised to minimize their their thanksgiving gatherings and who you know folks who might have uh, the kind of uh intentional family right that, that alice speaks of you know that, that the friends that whoever you know whoever was allowed in the door they weren't necessarily all uh bonded by by blood and marriage but just uh the family of of people uh who, who have come together maybe can't because of uh the risks of, of covid and so knowing that perhaps at the very least you can experience uh, the song together. This tradition together brings a little bit of solace. And, I, you know, it makes me wonder. I wonder if, if people are doing it virtually even, you know. Maybe they'll be playing it over their, over their Zoom over calls. Zoom, maybe. Um, and, you know, what else I was thinking, um, you know, every year I hear naysayers who are like, ah, oh, like my parents make me listen to this. So it's not always kumbaya. Like some people are annoyed by hearing it every year. And I wonder if under under COVID restrictions, if there's going to be a whiff of nostalgia for people who who maybe don't like listening to the song, but are kind of bummed that they're not at their parents' house with the parents, you know, forcing them to listen to it on the radio. Um, so it might even, it might even have this whole different resonance of, oh, wow, like, I, I kind of miss that. Jennifer, have you ever uh, endeavored to go through your own list on Thanksgiving and see if you can't tune in some of the remote and internet broadcasts uh, of Alice's Restaurant, besides the ones that you might have heard uh, yourself? 
It's on, you know, know, medical airwaves. I mean, it's sort of like my dirty secret, kind of like I mentioned to Alice, is that, like, I I started to play it backwards and slowed down on my radio show, um, because it's not it's not necessarily my cup of tea. And there are also <laughs> lyrics in the original version that I re-listened to it today as we were, before we were about to record it. And, you know, there's some problematic words in there that, mm-hmm. that I find offensive. Is it because when he goes to the draft board and he's, uh, he, he pretends that he's a homosexual. Was that the, yeah, that there, the there's some anti, moment? you know, there's a anti-gay slur in yeah, there because, well in a few because and, and we'll let we'll let listeners know who aren't familiar with the song is that uh the character i guess a spoiler alert for the story of the song but but arlo guthrie the character the main character of the song uh, uh feigns homosexuality to get out of uh going being drafted into vietnam and you know yeah spits out a few uh words that were maybe funnier in the 60s maybe they were never very funny <laughs> yeah i mean the i mean in the song they're talking about um, he's talking about what if everybody went in and started singing Alice's restaurant? Um, and, you know, if you were singing with two people, basically they might think you're gay and then, you know, you're not going to get drafted. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's a bit, you know, to, to listen to it it's dated in, in 2020, you know, there, there are elements of it that come across as, you know, being derogatory to the LGBTQ yeah. community. Um, so you're you're fascinated by the phenomenon uh, more so than than <laughs> the than the object itself, right? I mean, I understand that completely. I I, I, I hear exactly. that. And I guess where my where you I asked you the question is my curiosity is not. And again, is it not so much that I think you'd want to listen to to the song, uh, you know, seventy five times in one day, uh, so much as I'm I'm kind of curious how it gets presented. Yeah. It's really it's the context that I that I'm that I'm most curious about, you know, and, and whether it is uh, localized uh, are you know does is it by request uh, does someone's name get called out is oh thank you to to you know so and so in 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 the city who's called in to request this or is it is it treated with some degree of reverence or which 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 is almost sort of antithetical to its very nature um, or is it treated you know do they uh, preview it? Did they say coming up? You know, be sure at one o'clock or at three o'clock that you're that you can hear. Yeah. It. That, that's that's kind of what I'm. I'm kind of cons- I'm I'm very very curious about the context and and the ceremony around it. Not right. You know, it, because it, because it is this kind of tradition, but it's one which which is of course uh, carried out very idiosyncratically. Yeah, I think it varies. Um, I don't know if anybody else is playing it backwards like I am, but um, uh, <laughs> will you be playing it backwards this year? Well, I haven't been going in live um, oh. to the station, but I am playing an archive of my show from Thanksgiving week from a few years ago. And Alice's Restaurant was on the playlist, so I'm assuming it's a backwards version. Um, mm. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, Arlo Guthrie has done various things over the years, too. So sometimes there will be uh, the station might play extra interviews. Um, Alice. I know was interviewed by some radio stations this year. So there might be radio stations that play an interview with Alice and then play the song. Um, I think some stations will play like live concerts uh, of Arlo Guthrie. So I think, I think there are a variety of ways that it gets presented. You know, for many DJs, it's a longtime tradition. 
So some people have been playing it on their show for, I don't know, 20 or more years. And it's something that listeners grow to expect. Do you know um, of any offhand, you know, any particular stations? Because if, if these days, still being on the air for 20 years is an accomplishment, unless it's sort of like a community uh, or college radio station. Well, it, you know, it's hard because like some commercial radio stations played it for decades and then there might be an ownership change. So I'm hard pressed to okay. to say who continues. I know like for many years, KFOG in San Francisco used to play it. Um, WXPN in Philadelphia. So there are some um, public radio stations that have a tradition of playing it as well. But you know, you can you can look to my piece <laughs> that will be, you know, when you're listening to this to this show, we will have my piece for 2020 published, where I have a list of radio stations playing it. And in that list, I might indicate some that have been doing it for years and years. But, you know, this list comes together at the last minute because stations don't really announce, don't tend to really announce it very far ahead of time. So I will be breaking out my investigative skills over the next few days to compile my list, as I do every year. Well, we look forward to that, Jennifer. Maybe I will take it upon myself on Thanksgiving to see if I can't uh, tune in a few uh, both local and uh, non-local broadcast to, to catch to catch that context. You can uh, report and see, back see how it's there, and I can, I'm too I can exhausted after com- I'm too exhausted after compiling my list. So I, you know, I just <laughs> I'm not going to go listen to it after. I'm, I'm I'm typically updating the list into Thanksgiving too, as I as I find kind of last minute stations that are playing the song. I do right. it for you, the listener. Well, we're glad you do it, Jennifer. It's been an interesting journey that we have here. It's, I think it's a, it's uh, one of our most special Thanksgiving shows we've produced so far in the last five years. So uh, thank you so much for your continued doggedness. And then, uh, yeah, uh, taking uh, making the most of this uh, connection to Alice Brock herself. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. And as a special treat for our podcast audience, here is that message that Alice Brock recorded for radio stations to play preceding their airing of the song Alice's Restaurant. If you uh, are at a radio station and want to find out how you can air this special introduction to the song, you can find a link in the show notes at radiosurvivor.com today. Jennifer Waits put together an incredible comprehensive show notes for today's episode and I'm going to take a little extra time to push you in that direction if you are so inclined. But first, here's Alice Brock's introduction to the song, and then I'll finish off the credits and say goodbye. Hello, dear people. It's me, Alice, the real one from Alice's Restaurant. Isn't this year a bit different? This year, our gravy boats have sunk, no family feast, no lumpy mashed potatoes, no greasy gravy, and no one asking you, and what do you do? And think of all those happy, happy turkeys. Meanwhile, we still have a zillion things to be grateful for. Most of all, we have each other. And that's really all we have. Do I sound like an old hippie? Well, I am. I didn't expect to live this long. I'm 80 years old. Not in great health, but I'm still kicking. And still cooking. And now, the song that launched a thousand turkeys. Take it away. 
Arlo. My heartfelt thanks to our guest today, Alice Brock, who is made famous by Arlo Guthrie's song, Alice's Restaurant. Jennifer Waits produced today's episodes and put together a fantastic page of show notes. Check it out at radiosurvivor.com, where we also have a link to Jennifer's amazing reporting on today's tradition, the 2020 uh, version of the tradition of listening to Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant on community radio stations and commercial radio stations around the country for Thanksgiving. My name is Eric Klein on behalf of Jennifer Waits and Paul Reismandel. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to email us, our address is podcast at radiosurvivor.com. We're also a podcast where you can subscribe to this program anywhere where you get your time-shifted radio. We're on all of the lists, Radio Survivor. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.